Worm the Hockey Podcast back in the saddle for another episode this week, episode 22, I believe it is. Um, the past few weeks we've been we've been covering a lot of it. We'll start this week with it in hopes to um, limit the rabbit hole nature of of the discussion, <laughs> just because there's not a lot going on as well. But RFAs and it's funny how the lack of movement with RFAs can still monopolize so much time in the discussion. But RFAs, still nothing. The only news is the that a number of them, if not all of them, have contracts and have deals in place to at least train, if not play the season in, in Europe, Europe yeah. if they don't come under contract with their NHL franchises by... December 1st at the latest, but by camp here in a couple weeks. This deal has got to be headed to arbitration. In the next CBA, they have got to figure out a way. And as much as I don't like it, I don't think it's right. I don't think the players and the agents like it. I don't believe the teams like it for a minute. Arbitration is going to be the only way to solve this, or you're going to have RFA holdouts forever. So this will probably be a major, a major crossroads in the next CBA. But yeah, everybody's signed to go to Europe now. Uh, the the GMs are all sitting on their hands waiting for somebody to make the first mistake. And uh, the players are all sitting back knowing that they're in the catbird seat, that it's just a matter of do I get 10 and a half or 11 and a half and how many years do I can I milk out of these guys? It's a real awkward situation and it's embarrassing for the league too. They're going to be stuck without probably eight or 10 of their biggest stars. Yep. We, we had a discussion yeah, last night uh, amongst family, um, your my lovely younger brother um, <laughs> wanted to be mentioned, so we'll mention him. Um, we'll mention him in the podcast he wanted to be, but um, he was he was kind of covering um, the RFAs in our discussion last night, specifically talking about Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, remember that? I do. He was, um, what's, what is it, uh, like Kachuk said he, his camp offered uh, Treliving some terms back in, what, June? And the Flames and, have just sat. And they've not done a thing with it. Hands in pockets, twiddling yeah. twiddle the thumbs. Yeah, so what, uh, what does that tell you? It tells you, it would tell me from the outside looking in that these guys are, like the GMs are all waiting, as I said in the opening, to, for the, somebody to make the first mistake. Like who is gonna who's gonna set the bar? Nobody wants to be the guy that offers, for example, Matt Kachuk four years times ten million, and then Rantanen signs a week later for seven years times nine million or eleven million or whatever it is. Nobody wants to be the guy that steps outside of the range of what everybody else is gonna get paid. So nobody knows what that is right now. The silence is is really awkward. Uh, I have no idea who's going to be uh, who's going to be the first one to plunge. A lot of a lot of teams with RFA's though have come out and said we're confident we can get a guy signed, we can get him signed, and we're confident that he'll be at camp. With I, with what's coming up on two weeks before camp starts now. Yeah. Some it it's it, you're we're either going to see the RFA's start to rapidly fall. Here in the next week and a half, or it was wishful thinking from these organizations because 
we'll find that camp's over, preseason started, preseason's over, regular season started, and these guys are not in the lineup. So it's a, I, I don't have any doubt that every single one of them will be in uniform on, in, on the active roster by December 1st. But you know what happens to a guy that doesn't go to training camp. Statistically, if you are not in camp, and this is, this is a 30- or 40-year-old deal, maybe more, if you're not in training camp, you have – there's very few guys who have had good seasons when they did not go to camp. So if a guy gets past camp and not signed and into the regular season and not signed and into the fall and Thanksgiving uh, Canadian and then Thanksgiving in the U.S., and you get – this guy who is still not signed, look what happens statistically. So it's a it's a difficult situation for the team because now you've got a guy you finally did sign who's not productive. The player's stats and his subsequent value suffer because he has a year like Willie had last year, and and you're stuck. Like and some of these guys are the go-to player they're on go- their team. But so they're go-to and they're all from teams. That are cup contending teams. Sure, almost every the Calgary Flames, right. Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa. the Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg, the Col- Colorado Avalanche, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. These are all teams that realistically, for the next five, eight, ten seasons, can have a competitive Stanley Cup contending window, and you're you're starting that window off now with especially with teams that whose window is just opening like say like, Toronto like, like Colorado like Calgary like these teams you're starting it off by having arguably maybe not your biggest stars in the likes of Kachuk and Rantanen and guys like that but your main go-to guys cuz those are go-to guys absolutely not under contract what does that say for the future when your McKinnons and your Gaudreaux's and everybody does come up for contract. So it's it's a interesting time. Crickets, but it's still an interesting time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be... like Everybody is curious, including the players and agents, including the general managers, and, and certainly the fans, but everybody is really uh, on the front of their seat waiting for this thing to... Uh, to start to topple. I, like I said, I don't have any doubt that every single one of these guys will be uh, on the, on their active roster by December 1st. But the longer it goes, the more difficult it's going to be for everybody, for the fans, the league, the teams, the players, it's going to be tough on everyone. And it's again, for, for me, it's just short sighted. It is, it is short sighted to think that a kid at 21 years old or 22 years old can hold a team hostage when he's had one or two good seasons He's unproven, he's young, and he can still do this to his team over, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to trivialize a half million dollars or anything, but over the the term, you're going to get your money in in the course of your career. If you can put up numbers and be a and be a good guy for over the long haul, you're going to make yourself $150 million at today's rates in a 15-year, 20-year career. I saw an gosh, just get signed and get in and start playing. And if you're the GM, if the guy's good, sign him. And if he won't sign, pedal him. Yep. I, I saw an, I watched an interview the other the other day with uh, Max Domi on Tim and Sid. Yep. Um, he he made a he made a comment that was 
because he was asked about the current situation amongst his colleagues with the RFA situation, and he he made a comment that was very accurate in that nowadays, unlike 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago, these young kids now are coming in and they're making NHL lineups at the age of 18. Right. And they're getting paid at the age of 18, whether that's 900000 through ELC or it's after their first ELC at the age of 21, they're getting $9 million. These young kids are getting paid. Whereas back in the day, young kids didn't have a whole lot of room to, to talk in a locker room because it was veteran-owned. And That's they right. didn't have... And new players weren't considered rookies in the league until they were 24 or 25 because they they developed and they they spent time in the A and they did all these things. Well, nowadays there's su- superstar power every year that these kids are ma- are being drafted and they're making not just making opening night lineups but they're making a difference in a lineup at the age of 18 and 19. Yep. And, and that that affects contracts, you know, come RFA time and come these things cuz these young kids are getting paid at such a young age. It's like we talked about last week. You used to be ready to cash in as a between 25 and 30-year-old approaching UFA status. Either a team was going to sign and keep you for a king's ransom or you were going to go out to test the free agent market and, and get, your, get your due there. Now it's happening at 21, 22 as opposed to, as opposed to 26, 27, 28. Yeah. So anyway... Another quick RFA discussion to, to open things with. Um, and other news before we transition real quick. Um, camp has not only begun, but exhibition games have begun in the BCHL. If you're in the Okanagan area and you are, you're in the Penticton area specifically, Penticton V's West Kelowna Warriors tonight in an exhibition game. Check that out. DePaolo is lighting it up for the V's. Yeah. I mean, he in two or three exhibition games, he's a stud. He's Yeah, watch him go. Yep. This is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a fun season in, and, in yep. so and locally as well, um the Summerland Steam, the K I J H L uh junior B League, uh Summerland Steam, they've opened camp. They're getting ready to get things going as well. So if you're in the area, check them out as well. Uh, give them support. And NHL camps opening up in two weeks. We mentioned it, but here in two, two and a half weeks, NHL camps get going as well. So finally, how much Netflix can you watch in the summertime? <laughs> Holy smoke. How many reruns? Right. <laughs> so anyways, before anything, hit the subscribe button, rate, review, share, and settle in for episode number 22 of War Room, the hockey podcast. here real quick um in our little break there after you get a certain number of episodes it kind of blends together this is episode 23 ah
Okay. Not 22. So uh, forgive me. Louis doesn't keep notes. Yeah, nice job there, Louis. Doesn't Lewis. keep accurate notes. Oh, so boy. Well, episode, big numbers confuse him, you know? Yes. Episode 23. 22 was last week in our BCHL discussion. 23 this week. Um, we are covering WHL this week. By the way, Bef- sorry to interrupt, but when I asked him while we were in the midst of the intro, uh, I, I signaled him to ask him which which episode we were on and the uh, hand signal he gave me back was episode number one so i don't think he likes me very much but anyway that's why we didn't know exactly what that was yeah well louis is can't do it without him apparently he's a team player well this week uh episode 23 23 um Getting high numbers there, so Louis may may st- st- clearly is starting to have have issues. Twenty three this week we are discussing WHL um, as we transition here in the coming weeks with NHL camp opening and and seasons kicking off across the board um, in hockey. This week to close out the off season covering the WHL. Um, first and foremost, so before we get started, War in the Hockey Podcast presented by Northpaw Media. North Palm Media is proud to work with, sponsor, and be a part of Breakaway Brewing in the Okanagan, finest in handcrafted, handcrafted beer, and great friend Ryan Walter, ryanwalter.com, leadership guru, motivational speaker, motivational speaker. He, team builder. He, he puts out leadership re- retreats here in British Columbia, as well as across North America as well. Um, great friend of the show, a great man, Ryan Walter, ryanwalter.com. Check it out. WHL this week. The big question mark to start would be Matthew Savoy. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I, and and he I, would, Matthew Savoy, first and foremost, he's 15. And the, re, the thing was he was denied exceptional status. So I think that's the first thing to say. He was denied exceptional status. Kind of a surprise, as much as he's lit it up that he wasn't. That's why uh, we're. That's why it's. We'll lead off the discussion about him with that because he, um, he lit it up, um, with the Northern Alberta Extreme Prep. Yep. Um, he, seventy some points in thirty-one games, and everybody kind of thought it was a shoe-in that he would, that he'd get exceptional status, and he he was denied. And but as you know, nobody's ever been given exceptional status in the dub. Ever. It's been done in the Q and in, and in, in the, the Ontario o. League a handful of times. But never never in the dub. Never once in the dub ever has anybody been given exceptional status. He would have been the first. Surprisingly denied. Um, what makes it interesting with him is he was committed to the University of Denver for the 21-22 season, oh. where his brother is is set to play um, starting in the 2021 season, all of 20, um, his brother Carter, um, what makes it interesting is he pulled out of his commitment to, to Denver to sign with the Winnipeg ice after he, Winnipeg took him first overall. He signed in June. They, after they took him first, uh, and I guess there was a lot of delay there was surprised to see him sign. But since then, there's not been a, a there lot hasn't of news, been a whole has lot there? of news. He can go back to Bantam because he was denied exceptional status and because he pulled out of Denver. He's kind of 
while while it says that nothing's while he, Matt himself has said that nothing's official yet, he's kind of stuck with Winnipeg now. Yeah, pulling out of Denver, this is it. However, being denied exceptional status, he's only allowed to play a maximum of five games for Winnipeg. There may be so uh, he might go back to Bantam, midget or midget. Sorry, midget. He might go back to midget, which will likely happen. But general manager of the ice has said that they want him around the team as much as possible. He's he could play more than five games if if injuries if and other circumstances somehow, happen. But and you know you so you you got to imagine that maybe James Patrick, who's coaching in Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg native, longtime NHLer, uh, he's coaching that team. Uh, is it um, Cockle is the GM? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many guys might just mysteriously pull hamstrings so that they can get Matt Savoy into the lineup more than five times. I got a hunch they're going to, if if this is going to stick in Winnipeg, they're going to find him a place to play at the highest level area midget team so they can keep an eye on him and keep him around the team, maybe practicing with the ice, yeah. get in his five at least, and maybe more if they can swindle that. And don't don't get me wrong, swindle is not the word. But if they can weasel him into the lineup somehow through injuries, he'll make a big difference there. Uh, first year for that team in Winnipeg is going to be a great market for them. Absolutely, and a and a marquee player is going to draw big. So Matt, last thing on on Matt before we move on, Matt was denied exceptional status, and because he was denied, he committed to Denver. Right. What he didn't commit to Denver. No, he after being drafted and then get denied. He was denied and then as as a result of being denied exceptional status, he committed to Denver. So that's That was his way of turning his back on the WHL. Yep. Except now, now he's, he's come back. pulled the commitment and now he's kind of stepped back into uh into the WHL. So I was wondering uh, when I was watching this kid develop and looking at him play as a as a bantam uh you know, he's only 5'9". He's a very small, small-ish kid, especially for somebody like me. Uh, but he, at, at 14, then, I thought, well, he's he's got two or three years of solid growth coming. But his older brother, who is now 17, is only 5'9". Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, it appears that the genes are not going to make him much bigger than what he is right now, which may or may not ever be necessary. But, you know, they're both real, real good players. Carter probably is the guy who's made this decision because based on their skill sets and their development, he's going to play at, uh, at DU starting next season, starting a year from now, and probably get a couple of years there anyway to develop because he may not be the guy who believes he or his agent and his advisors are not thinking he's going to jump straight to the show at 18 or 19 and make an impact. So May, he may project out to a bottom six guy or a middle six guy. On the other hand, Matt Savoy is is likely to go through the dub, come out in the draft, and he may be one of those guys that jumps straight in. Uh, the year after Lafreniere, he may jump straight into the show. We'll, well see. Interesting show. If Savoy, if Savoy makes it, he has a chance, depending on what happens, um, to play with Peyton Krebs. Right. Peyton Krebs drafted 17th overall. In this year's draft, uh, Winnipeg Ice pr- property, um, 
drafted by Vegas. He's probably, 17 overall from Okotoks. He's not likely. I mean, the, the chances of him going to Vegas are practically zero, right? Well, he's like, also got of, an, an injury. You saw him limp up when he, when he was selected. Right. Um, so, yeah. And, and with the depth in Winnipeg, he, he may be two or three years from making that lineup, even though he is a heck of a kid. Uh, he's probably going to finish even his – he may even play – well, he's, he'll play this year in, in Winnipeg. And if they get together, the two of them, they're, that's going to be an exciting way to get that team from – they were in the doldrums when they were in Cranbrook. When they were just the Kootenai ice then, but man, oh man, that's going to be exciting if they get the two of them together, along with McLennan, mm-hmm. who's another real, real solid prospect. But no, good for good for Cranbrook though. Real quick touch, um, potentially getting a BCHL team here in the in the future. So yeah, that'll be fun. that's a market that won't go long without hockey. No, for sure. Uh, the ice, just for whatever reason. Um, and maybe you know more about it than I do, but for whatever reason, just didn't find success in that market. Not only on the ice, um, but just f- fans and just you know excitement around it. It just it struggled with them. Yeah, that maybe a BCHL team being a smaller market, being junior A quality hockey, plenty of NHL guys coming from Brooks and from Penticton and these these places, but maybe a smaller. Smaller league, smaller team, smaller market can find a little more success. Than... A smaller budget is the key. Yeah. Uh, when you've got a, a not the biggest town in the league in Cranbrook, uh, you really, I mean, to make the budget of a WHL team, that's onerous on the fans and the sponsors. And unfortunately, as much as I hate to, uh, I'm reluctant to say anything negative, Chanoth, the owner of the ice at the time, before he sold them to Winnipeg, he had done, he had spent years kind of alienating his fan base and his sponsorship base. His corporate sponsors and fans were, they were going, they were supporting that team in spite of him. And it was not healthy and it was certainly not sustainable. It probably, I don't know if it happens, which happened first. He started losing money or, and then became kind of hard to get along with uh, in the community or vice versa. But that was a doomed situation. So fresh ownership, BCHL franchise with a much smaller budget, uh, that they'll they'll thrive there, yeah. and it's it's going to be good for everybody. Winnipeg is going to support this franchise well, and uh, and I'm sure Cranbrook is going to really thrive with a BCHL team. Yeah. Well, this year, 2019 NHL draft. Uh, saw a record-breaking year for the U.S. National Development Program, but it also saw uh, 28 WHL kids be drafted. Yeah. The highest one being uh, Kirby Dak, number three for Chicago. Um, but seven in, seven in round one, five round two, four round three, five round five, three and six, and four and seven. So 28 guys and pretty evenly spread as well throughout each round of the draft. Yep. Um, so it was a good year. Um, I think everybody kind of goes, Oh my gosh, at the U S national development program and the number of kids they had, but the WHL having 28 kids drafted this year, um, says a lot about the development in that, in, in that league as well. And the depth of development too. Now, as you know, I have a different view of that U.S. development program than a lot of people, and they develop from the top down. So out of their 20 top guys on that team, there will be 
a handful that'll be top end talent. You know that that those those guys like uh, I mean the guys that come through there over the last four or five years that are just absolutely dominant at that level. But the depth uh, is just not there. They'll they'll develop a handful, but it just won't be there. Won't be twenty eight guys out of that. They're they're spread through the USHL. The kids that play on that U.S. development program team are on a very dominant team. So putting up big numbers on that team, they are they're the, the biggest kids on the playground. They're the t- very top talent that gets invited there. And for them to dominate and put up big stats is a little bit skewed. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a USHL all-star team. That's what it is. And so it's really not a fair comparison. So we'll see... Uh, how many how many kids were taken? Uh, what first round? Eight of them or something from that? Eight or nine of them from I'm, the US. I'm interested to see five years from now of those eight or nine who's still standing, who's still a top six guy and a and a real go to player that maybe we're talking about as as RFAs yeah. that are that are. Now... Well, I guess that depends on d- their development too. Yeah, um, just going to be curious to me. But anyways. Um, for me, there's a few guys, and we can decide whether we want to go round by round or whatever, but there's a few guys just starting in round one that have asterisks by their name for me. Um, Kirby Dak. Yep. Bowen Byram. Dylan Cousins. Um, we touched already on Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs. Um, due to his injury and different things, he doesn't really have an asterisk by his name for me. Um, but for me, the big one um, who had a kind of a coming-of-age breakout moment um, at the Holinka, I believe it was, uh, Nolan Foote. Yeah, he sure did. Um, he had a... They have an asterisk by their names because they're, they're either... There's either question about whether they'll go back to the dub or there's a guarantee. But either way, what does that mean for their teams Nolan, if they do or if they don't? You're right. And in the case of Nolan Foote, first and foremost, he's going back to Kelowna. There's no question. Well, that, he's he's got an asterisk, but he's a guarantee to be back in Kelowna. He'll be in Kelowna. They're, they are hosting the Memorial Cup this year, uh, playing for his dad. He is not ready to jump to Tampa yet, uh, as much as the as much as he will be before long. He'll be back in Kelowna for his age 19, and he was his breakout was at the World Junior Showcase. Showcase, right? Um, yep. Where he he was, uh, you know, really really an offensive force there. But uh, yeah, he's he had a he had a real uh, debutante ball at that at that uh, little showcase tournament and had a great o- a great outing there. What about Brett Leeson? What's um... he was taken by Mon- by Mon- Montreal Washington? Sorry, um, and he was an overager, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Um, was he not passed over in the draft? I believe he was. He was not and... taken. I think two drafts in a row. Yeah. And finally developed and became. I mean, he was a. And force he went. As he an went and agent. got a an, a regular job and everything. Yeah. But he right. kept training while doing it. Um, he was taken fifty six overall in round two um, by the Washington Capitals. Prince Albert is who he belongs to. Uh, Cal. Um, he's from Calgary. He won't um, be back. I mean, just because of his age, he'll be. Um, he'll have to go. He'll probably start in the he'll East start, Coast League. He'll start either in in the coast or in Hershey. Yeah, but um, 
he won't be in he won't be a, a guy that makes uh, the capitals right away but. curious to follow his uh, his development over the next few years it's going to be fun to see what what becomes of him because of his situation uh you know if your glass is half full there's a guy who was passed over in the draft and kept right after it and was taken in the second round he's a big kid he put up great numbers as an overager in the, in the dub last year but does that mean that he's just really persistent and he's the kind of guy that you want to put some stock in or does it mean he's an underachiever like which you know will and and only time will tell which one of those scenarios is him mm-hmm. um you're for me for me for me the question partly because he also got injured uh dylan cousins right he's uh, he had surgery he, he injured his hand injured his thumb um He's headed Lethbridge, to Buffalo. Pro- Lethbridge property drafted yeah. by Buffalo, seventh overall. Yeah. Um, for me, I see I see one more year for him in Lethbridge. For sure, I I don't I don't think for a minute he's going to be in after Buffalo his injury and things. I see them taking their time with him, and I, I see agree. him having another year. Agreed. And if he's healthy, I see Lethbridge being a force as a result. Yep. Because that Lethbridge, I believe, has a lot of returning guys. I believe they do. Yeah. And. Dylan Cousins can only go one way, and that's up. You would think. Yeah. That to me, I think Lethbridge is going to be a, a favorite in in this coming year. Got to believe they are. Uh, and and when you start adding ben, up the ben guys in Vancouver, are, yeah, the Giants have got some guys coming back. Uh, they've got some guys that are um, like Justin Sertif, uh young right winger. Um, he was a he was another guy who had a great tournament at that uh, junior showcase. Uh, very very solid player coming coming back to Vancouver this year. Um, there's going to be uh, as I mentioned Connor McLennan, who's a Winnipeg Ice and eligible for the draft this coming this following summer. There's uh, who else is coming back to uh, Prince Albert? Uh, Prince Albert's got Caden Gooley. That was in the uh, that was in the uh, World Junior Showcase, mm-hmm. and along with a couple of their uh, um, returning guys from this year's draft. Protoss, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Protoss taken ninety first overall by Washington as well. Um, so they got a number. I was just going through while you were while you were discussing because we were kind of, we mentioned Vancouver. I was going through trying to count how many Giants were were drafted. Oh yeah. Um, well, that was a sure a sturdy team. I know Bowen Byram and Trent Minor were drafted, um, so that they they've got a sturdy team. And if one or multiple of their players drafted can return, like Lethbridge, I think they're going to be a they're going to be a team in the. Yeah, it could be another dominant year for them. There's that brings up a good question, and we've talked about this kid before. What are the chances, given the situation in Colorado, what are the chances now that Bowen Byram can make that team right out of junior? What's the, what are the chances that he sticks out of camp? You you want a guess on a like a percentage or just a yeah or do you, do you think he's do you think he's there? He's a stud. Oh, he is absolutely. But are and they going to take another year with him, or are they going to throw him in? He signed an ELC already, but are they going to put him into you know i, I would say he, he gets his, his nine games for sure he signed his elc but he doesn't burn his elc even if he's under contract with it unless he plays more unless than he nine plays the 
Yep. So, so he'll, you'll see him for nine games. Probably guaranteed you'll see him at least for nine. Um, with the injuries in Colorado to Ian Cole and the question mark as to whether or not Eric Johnson will start the year because right. he's hurt. Um, I see I see him at least getting the nine. Um, if he's a stud, like you mentioned a few weeks ago watching him, how he looked like a, a man amongst boys. Um, if that stays, if that's the consistent with him, um, to me, I don't. I think it's fifty fifty. To me, to me, I don't. I think, I think with the way Sackick is developing that team, with their window just opening, if Sackick continues to do things the right way, with contracts and with growing that team and building that team. And pushing for Stanley Cups, and which they will be there for Stanley Cup contention for years to come. The team is built that way. Yep. All their their core guys are under the age of twenty eight, so they're they're built for ten years of solid success. And because of that, I think that they can't go wrong if they give him a year to develop. Send no. him back to Vancouver. Give him a year. You just signed Sam Gerrard long term. Right. Johnson got, Johnson's a stud even at thirty. You got McCarr. McCarr it will be there. Timmons is is getting healthy. Callie Rosen they wrong. picked up. Can't go wrong giving Byram another year to develop. No. However, if come camp preseason and his nine games, he just. I mean, he looks like he belongs, and he looks like he's been there for years. Then, can you really get away with sending him back for, for another year? Exactly. So, right. uh, to me, to me, it's fifty-fifty. Well, it may sound like a cop-out explanation and a cop-out um, kind of excuse way of of not giving a solid answer, <laughs> but to me, it's fifty-fifty. Through training camp and the first nine games, if he stays healthy. I think you'll see a lot of him. And then the evaluation you have to make is if you're Joe Sakic, do we do we have this guy in and out of the press box all year? Because he's not likely to be thrown right into the top six at the age of eighteen. Or I mean, is he you have to evaluate we, is he going to play enough in Denver to make a difference for him his, his development? Or is he better off playing a lot of minutes? Back in Vancouver for well, one more season. So that's that's that's, the, that's what I mean by that's fifty. The coin that's kind of what I mean by fifty-fifty with Bowen Byron specifically. Is there's options here? You can either send him back to to junior. Right. Can't go wrong with that. Give him a year to develop. The Eagles are right up the road, so you. But he's he, under twenty. He's under right. He's under twenty. So never mind. Um, Eagles don't count. So you can either send him back to junior. Can't go wrong there. Yeah. Or he plays. And to me, it's 50-50 because I think that if he's a, if he's stud enough to play, he won't be in the press box. He'll, no. pl- he'll play. Well, that's what they've guys got to like, decide. Guys like, guys like Barbario will be the seventh guy. Things like that. Byron will play. And if he proves to be a guy who can handle himself, like we assume he will at some point, then Colorado specifically has a Stanley Cup pedigree team for years to come, especially on the back end, because if you play it right, you can put Johnson with Gerard, you can put Zadorov 
with Makar, and you can put Byram with Rosen. With anybody. Or, yeah, Callie Rosen, Ian Cole, Mark Barbario, right? Zadora. Ian Cole, that's the guy I forgot, Ian Cole. And then you've got a shutdown, shutdown guy Kedon. with a with a with a puck moving, yeah, with a puck moving guy, and that's a that's a defensive pair. Those are three defensive pairings that any team would love to have, because you got a guy who can move the puck and skate, and you got and join the play, and you got guys who can kill penalties and eat up big minutes against star players. So they're set to the point where. You can afford to give Byram another year if it's required. Yep. And that's, you know what I think is really the best part of that whole scenario is that would make Ryan Graves available to ship off to Toronto for future considerations. How's that? I love, I love Ryan let's, Graves. Let's, I do too. I love you Ryan know Graves. that's one of my favorite young guys that, and I'll, that I, we I'll, haven't seen much of yet. I'll take him. If I can go the personal route just for five <laughs> seconds, I'll take him as the seventh defenseman over a Barbario yeah. any day. Anyways, though, Byram, though, um, he goes back to Vancouver. Vancouver's a force. He stays in Colorado. He participates. Yeah. I mean, you can't... He's going to be a top four defenseman for the Avalanche for years to come. It's just a matter of does it start this year or does it start a year from now? He is the one guy out of the WHL drafted in the summer of 19 that has a chance to make the big league roster. He's probably the only one with a legitimate shot at playing in the show this year. As good as Kirby Dak is, as good as uh, Dylan Cousins is, I just I don't think those guys are, are going to be anybody that they are that they're taking a chance on this coming year. So Anyway, uh, Byram's the big question mark there, and I'm, it'll be it'll be fun to watch what happens. Surprises, and, though, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit surprises. Uh, watching the draft, I was kind of shocked to see um, taken 19th overall by Ottawa, Lassie Thompson. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise. I was too. We saw him like it wasn't even as much of a surprise as seeing Nolan Foot go in the first round, which he was not projected to do. That much you could go, okay, proper development, you know, growth. All right, I see it. But we Lassie saw Thompson. Him early in I, the season last year. Remember watching that did, team yeah. play uh, in the early part of the season. And obviously, was just nothing. He, obviously, he was drafted. He's, he's good. But he just didn't stand out. Not at all. It, now, granted, we didn't see him from Christmas on. Yeah. But. So something must have taken hold there. But I, I was, I'm with you. I'm glad you brought that up. That was a surprise to see him go that high. And Detroit surprised me. Take a step away from the WHO real quick. Detroit surprised me with some of their picks. Steve Eiserman, you know, he goes off the board a lot. Yeah, he does. So he took a lot of Germans and Europeans, European guys that just overlooking Brett Leeson's and overlooking these guys to go that route. And it was a little, <laughs> a little surprising to, to see, but you know right. what he built, he, he, he's got his fingerprints all over that dominant Tampa Bay team. So, but he drafted now granted different. they, they different. flunked out of the playoffs against Columbus, yeah. but get, if they're successful and they do win a cup, you can't really comp- can't really debate Steve Eiserman because he no. built that. But but man, oh man, he he built that team 
in a whole different manner than what his first draft in Detroit looked like. Mm -hmm. He was small, he was European, and just like head scratchers from round one on with him. And that is not the way he built the Lightning. I was uh, I was really surprised to see it because part of partly because Detroit has not had much success in the last few years. They they don't look like they're even trending in the right direction. They're they're less than mediocre and maybe not done getting bad yet. Yeah. And the I still think the trend in the league. We won't venture into this rabbit hole as you say, but the trend in the league has got to be getting. Better, bigger and more of a straight north style. So, uh, anyway, back to the dub. Cole There's, Cole Mo- Moberg. You know much about him? No. Defenseman from uh, the Prince George Cougars. Okay. Drafted round seven by uh, Chicago. Did not see him this year. No. To me, he's got an ashes just because, unfortunately, you know, you know, and you hate to admit this, but you know, being in our position, but unfortunately, you just. Don't know a lot about him. Yeah. Well, let's so he's um, he's a guy that we need to uh, that we need to watch. We he, you know he'll be back in PG, and uh, as we see the as we see the dub season progress, that's going to be a guy that he's going to be one of about twenty five of these kids that we're going to have our eye on, and that's the guys that were drafted, which we presume every one of them will be back, maybe with the exception of Bowen Byram, but there's. There's going to be, uh, it, it's impressive to see the level of talent and the depth of talent that has come out of the dub in the last two or three years. And when you look at the top top prospects at the midget level right now, there's a lot of them that are going to be dub draft eligible. A lot of guys coming out of this part of the country. And there were some dry seasons over the last few years. There were there were some seasons where there was not much to brag about coming from our part of the country. But this year, as I said, uh, Justin Sertif coming out of Vancouver. Yep. Uh, watch him. Ozzy Wiesblatt in PA. Is, uh, these guys are, he's not very big. He's another one that's under six feet, but a real solid player. Ridley Gregg in Brandon. Uh, these guys were all, these guys were all real, real talented guys that, uh, that had a great tournament at that showcase at the world junior showcase connor mclennan another small guy in winnipeg as we mentioned a couple of times prior uh jake neighbors was on that team from edmonton uh just and and seth jarvis every one of these guys under six feet what kind of a world are we living in here Evan? what what happened like can't you just fudge the guy's size a little bit Damon Hunt in Moose Jaw is the only kid that that uh, was over six feet until we got to Caden Gooley back in PA again. My gosh, what can you? What is it? What's everybody doing? What are all the six foot kids doing? Are they not skating? Are they playing some other sport? Are they playing basketball now? What's what's the deal? Well, all the all the parents are putting the six feet and higher kids in other sports just <laughs> despite just Brad Rowe. Just, yes. just to spite him. That's the whole reason. It's working. It's working. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm pacing the floor here. Anyway, well, part of it, part of the WHL discussion needs to be what happens, if anything, do we see with Seattle? 
once the NHL team comes in. I don't... There was I, rumblings of a relocation for the Thunderbirds be, to not compete with the brand new NHL franchise. Yeah, but, but you still do, got... Do you see that? Do you see a move to Olympia or to somewhere, not necessarily out of the state, but to at least somewhere where they can have their own building and they can, you know, separate. have their own yeah. separate type of thing? Or do you... Do you see it like some other teams where they share a building or they, you know, whatever? Well, I don't, I haven't heard, but I have to, I, you know that there are a couple of good build, buildings in the area. The team has to stay in that region because for travel considerations, it's it's prime for the mm-hmm. league. Maybe Bellingham, uh, maybe, maybe there are arenas in other suburbs that we're not aware of, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, they have to stay in that area someplace. And the lower mainland already has Vancouver Giants and and, uh, and Chilliwack. And so <clears throat> I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with them, but they've got a year to sort it out anyway. Well, I don't see them going to... It's a good question. I don't see them going to north of the border. It's a very hockey-rich area in that area um, with already the Vancouver Giants and the Kelowna Rockets and you know, and things like that. So I do see them staying in the Washington area. But just something to ponder was, you know, what, if anything, happens to them once the NHL franchise comes into play? You know, do they do they share? Do they want to not compete with each other for fan bases and for whatever? Um, what do they do? And so it's just something to ponder. But That's a good question. It'll be interesting to see. I, that'll that'll sort itself out this year. The, um, the Flames and the Hitmen... See, the Flames and Hitman are an example of they, share an arena. They coexisted for a long time. Yeah. Still do, right? So is that something that maybe happens with the Seattle or, you know, but it, it's just something to ponder. It, yeah. It, just a thought because 20, 21, 22 is the first um, season for the Seattle team in the NHL. So they've got a um, year. Which is surprising because I thought for the longest time it was um, 2021. In fact, I think I mentioned in one of the episodes that it was 2021. So if you listen to that and you're going, you're an idiot, you're wrong. My apologies. It's 21-22. So we've all got a little Louie in us. We get confused in the 20s. We do. We do. It all blends together a little bit. Sorry, Louie. Kind of. (laughs) Anything else on on the dub discussion? You know the one we've thing kinda, that we've kind of we've had a good a good discussion. Well, we looked through so, them pretty well. Uh, I'm I'm curious. I I'm curious to watch uh, Dylan Garand, the goaltender from uh, from Kamloops. Not a very good team so far. Uh, not looking like they're going to be very good this year. No offense. And Swift Current. Hmm. And Swift, and Swift Current. Yeah. Tough tough times right now. But he he had a pretty good tournament at the uh, at the showcase. Or, or the, at the, uh, I'm sorry, at the Holenka. But he, he got, uh, when Tristan Lennox got hurt in uh, in the gold medal game, he, uh, gosh, Garan had a, a couple of real unfortunate bounces that went in behind him. So other than that, he played really well. And he's a guy that on a not that great of a team, uh, I'm curious to see how he sorts out this year. This will be a good year for him to... Uh, to see if he's, you know, draft worthy goaltender there or not, I presume he is. So I'll be watching him. That's other than that, I, you know, we've covered a lot of it. I do. When we talked about our draft preview, 
a few months ago, we talked about the depth. And you bring up a good example, the, uh, the defenseman from PG. Looking at the depth, don't be surprised three, four years down the road if you see some of these fifth, sixth, seventh round picks show up on big league rosters. They're that good, they're that close to being good, and they're only just a, a bit of development away from being just as good as the first and second round guys. The mm. depth is that solid. So just something to keep your eye on. Well, I definitely will because I'm getting excited for the start of the <laughs> hockey season. I've had the itch, so I'm a little uh, little antsy. So I'm getting excited. Well, better come to camp in shape. We've got two weeks to get ready, right? Are we? Uh, what are we doing next week? Do we start our trip around the league next we start week? Start our trip or? around the league. Okay. So next week is the first of a few episodes touring around um, team by team, division by division type of thing around the NHL as um, as we will be in the midst of doing that tour as camp gets going. Perfect. So it'll... And hopefully by the time preseason starts as camp finishes, we will finish our t- little tour and we can start getting into the meat of what's going on across hockey as the, the year gets started because it, it's coming fast. The BCHL is already underway yeah. in exhibition. Dubs the, in camp The dubs next in week. camp next week. Um, the STEAM and the KI is in camp. You got NCAA, which is going to start comes September, so like October with the, the school weekend. year starting. Yep. Um, and the NHL gets their camp going. Thus, the AHL does as well here um, in the next couple weeks. So it's, it's we were fishing be- for content for a while, and now it's kind of yeah. coming fast and hard with <laughs> plenty Plenty to cover and talk about across all all leagues throughout hockey. So, and you know we've got RFI RFA signings coming along soon. So, in addition to all that, it just takes one, just one. I know, just one, just because then everything else just kind of falls. One just tumbles, drops. So, in addition to all that, we're going to be watching the KI, the BC, the Dub, all the developmental leagues in our area of the world, and uh, and keeping an eye on the on the show. What's well, going to be fun? Looking will. forward to it. What are we kind of just covered it? What are we looking forward to this coming week, though? Well, this coming week, aside from starting our tour around the around the league next week, this this coming week, Wednesday to Wednesday type of thing. What are we looking for? Teams are putting to? their rosters together for all the various young stars tournaments. So we'll see who's who all is invited to the uh, to those rosters. And Vancouver pulled out of Penticton. Vancouver pulled out of our local tournament here, um, but everybody still has them anyway. And oh they're, yeah, yeah, they're fantastic showcases. They're great tournaments, uh, and but the the most interesting thing to see is who's brought into those deals uh, because those are guys that are that are still getting looks, uh, guys that are ready to get look serious looks and. You know, it's fun to see them play against each other. So mm-hmm. those tournaments are coming up, and, and just seeing who's on the roster is a pretty telling thing. So interested to see that and how the um, how the rest of uh, uh, the rest of the training camp rosters shape up. Very curious. Yep, exciting time to be a hockey fan. <laughs> well, if that's everything, I believe it is. Uh, Thank you for tuning in for another episode of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. Our listeners are driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for tuning in. Please head to Facebook, give us a like. Instagram, give us a follow. Uh, head to Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, give us a, a rating. 
uh, a review, hit the subscribe button, share with family and friends, help the show continue to grow, all so you can be alerted to new episodes which come out every week. Again, here for the next two, three weeks, uh, episodes on Wednesdays. It may stay that way. We'll see. If not, we'll go back to Mondays. But at least to finish the off-season, we'll stay with Wednesdays. Um, thank you, Brad, for joining in the studio. Always a pleasure. I am. I just want to say that my favorite social media platform is not Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. It's Breakaway Brewing. That's where I like to hit and like and share. That's my favorite. <laughs> there you go. And I, I, by the way, I rate them also. I rate them A plus 10 point, whatever it is, five star. Five, five <laughs> star review. Yes. Or as, as it says in one of my podcasts I listen to, being a wrestling fan, <laughs> five star frog splash review. Ooh, the frog splash. So, anyways, I'm Evan Rauer with War Room, the Hockey Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.